Blog Talk Radio. Well, that's... This, this is all about wine. wine. talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do in this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post I your that. questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yay! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm excited. Hot Florida weather, so they are, we brought them into the air-conditioned tent tonight because it was just too hot out there. And way too hot. Way too hot. And so we so we brought them into the air conditioned tent tonight, and so they're happy about that. On top of the fact that they always have good wine while they listen to the show, so yeah, good for that. We have a guest tonight, Stephen Lane. Uh, he is an author and all sorts of stuff. I mean, the man has traveled around the world, and yeah, I think the only thing he hasn't done has been up to the moon. He's done just about everything else you can do on this earth. It's just unbelievable how traveled and knowledgeable this man is. But um, he is an author, and he wrote a book. Oh, he's written two. He wrote one called Root Cause, and he also wrote uh, the most recent one is called Dragon Vine. And they had uh, the good fortune of uh, sending me the book uh, a couple of three weeks ago, and I finished it. When was it? Today's Thursday. I finished it uh, Tuesday, uh, working my way through it. Very good book. I uh, will discuss it tonight and and all that. And oh, I was going to ask Mike: uh, Do you read novels? Uh, do Do you read books? I do. I didn't get into like the the thousand page ones, um, but yeah, I, I've. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll... My interest, you know, something like that. You know, like. I'll get this to you then. I'll get this over to you. We should get permission. I think it's not, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a gift. I'm going no, to be gifted. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a you know it, it's an easy read. It, it's fun. He talks. Well, we'll wait yeah. until he gets on. He should wait. be joining. I join him a couple three minutes after the hour to join us because you know we. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. We always introduce and open and all that. So, and it is three mm-hmm. minutes past the hour. So, I hope he will be joining us shortly. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good book. He's uh, in fact, let me go back to the original letter, our original email that I got from. I don't know if you mentioned. Uh... But he's also a wine scholar, a restaurateur, and a hotelier. 
Hotelier? Hotelier? Is it like a Hotelier? 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 I don't know. Is it like French? Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, no, I have to ask him. Yeah, well, let me. Uh, hmm. yes. It says here. Uh, hope to see him. I'll find you a wine scholar and novelist, Stephen Lane. And then mm-hmm. she wrote WSET, that, that uh, wine set, third level, FWS, IWS, SWS, CWS. So these are all the certifications he's got. Uh, and mm. it says he's released his uh, new book. Uh, and his debut novel, Root Cause, was published in February 2019. And this is called Dragon Vine. And then she gives me a synopsis. And uh, let's see. Is this his second book? Because he did uh, Root Cause also. It, yeah, this is his second book. And and in the back of Dragonvine here, he has a chapter. Uh, I think it's a whole chapter. Yeah, it says, uh, read the first chapter of Stephen Lane's next wine thriller, Jupiter's Blood. And so he's got a, wow. another one. Uh, that's either out or coming out or something called Jupiter's Blood. I haven't read it. I'm, I'm debating to read it because I got hooked on the other one, and I'm afraid that if I read this chapter, then <laughs> I will have to jump out and get the book. But uh, I uh, he might be on hold. He might be on hold right now. Uh, uh, is he? Okay. Let me see. Yeah. I well, I hope that's him. There's somebody there. Yeah. So I hope that's him. So let's get him on the show and uh, be sure it is him. Uh, hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. There we go. I didn't click the first one. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to All About Wine. Good evening, Ron. This is Steve. Uh, How are you? No, doing quite well in yourself. Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. No, uh, it's our pleasure. I guarantee you. Uh, <laughs> You uh, well, you got me, Ron. You also have Mike, who's my co-host on the show, and engineer and, and tech man, and he just sort of sets off on the side and listens and tweets out about the show and stuff like that. But you know, we'll uh, he'll he'll pop in every once in a while like some unknown ghost. Uh, so <laughs> great, it's easy, Mike, the man behind the scenes. Yes, he, yes, he is very much so. Um, but uh, we were just talking about your books and about and books, and that's with an S, and about Dragon Vine a little bit. And uh, by the way, thanks for the copy. I just finished it a couple couple of days ago. And oh, my pleasure. Really, really interesting. I enjoyed it. I haven't read a complete novel in uh, a couple of years because I usually read short stories and short articles on wine and stuff, and that was. Very interesting, very fun. So, uh, first, we were talking about your credentials and all that you've done and everything. I I mentioned that you've been to just about everywhere except the moon. Uh, what the, if, <laughs> uh, 
tell us about yourself. Where you where you grew up? Uh, how you got into wine and your travels and how you became. And then also, Mike and I were trying to discuss what uh, how you pronounce it a hotelier or uh, how is it hotelier? Uh, yes, hotelier. hotelier. Okay, yeah. see, Mike, you were right. It is French. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you will, it, I, I will turn the mic over to you and just let you tell us all about yourself and how you got to, uh, well, how you got to be an author and and all that stuff. Sure. Well, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, you I was don't born need in to. Africa, we got an hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I was born in Africa to a a doctor, a physician. Uh, my dad was a physician, and my mom was a nurse. Um, being Canadian and British, and I think probably developed my wanderlust ever since a young boy. So I went to uh, school in Canada, uh, studied history and psychology, and got interested in writing and read a ton. I was an avid reader all my life and really enjoyed writing and wrote my first novel after taking a psychology course. And when I, I had a big what if in my mind, what if this happened? And it became a novel, and that's how I got into writing, really. And just always been thrilled, uh, just, uh, yeah, delighted by the, the written word and learning more about the craft. So kept on writing throughout university and got into the hotel business. Um, having worked in a small hotel in Canada, I really caught my interest to be in an industry where you could travel and just always meeting new people and having new experiences. And 25 years later, that, later I haven't stopped. I'm now calling from wow. the British West Indies. I'm in a small island called Anguilla, running a luxury wow. hotel. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of a long-distance wow. phone call here. <laughs> yeah. And wow. It's just, yeah, it's just it's just been a trip. It's just been a trip. Uh, so I get a lot of my inspiration for my stories and my writing in my travels through the people I meet, the experiences I have, the anecdotes I hear from others, and I make it a point every year to visit at least one new wine region. So this year will be hopefully Argentina. I still haven't been to Argentina's vineyards. Big fan of Malbec and Torontes. Uh, so. Looking forward to that. But, yeah, I'll try to make sure I travel every year to a different wine region. And in my travels, I guess, yeah, the last 25 years, I've been to nine, lived in nine countries, some wine producing, some not. And that's, that's where all my story ideas come from. And, again, those big what-if questions, like root cause is all about what if phylloxera came back? And dragon vine is what about, uh, what if a ancient variety was discovered and planted anew in California? And Jupiter's blood is all about counterfeit wine and what if synthetic wine could be made uh, to be as, as authentic and quality driven as anything the best wine producers around the world can make. Mm-hmm. Well, I, <laughs> I was telling Mike for a show, you have a chapter of Jupiter's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jupiter's blood, is it? Yes, uh, the Jupiter's blood, yes. Which okay. is actually the translation, yeah. uh, that's the Latin translation for San Giovese. So San Giovese oh, really? is a great from Italy. Yes, that actually literally translates to Jupiter's blood. And oh. just in my studies, I find all these little fascinating tidbits and facts. And I just, I just love that. So I thought, what a great title for a novel as well. Yeah, it is. That's interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the Jupiter's Blood, you have a chapter of it in the back of Dragon Vine, and I just told Mike I don't want to read it because if I do, I'm going to get hooked on it, and I'm going to have to. <laughs> it, it is a teaser. Know. It's definitely. I yeah, know. It is I a know. And it finishes on it finishes on a cliffhanger. So yeah, I would, yeah, I would have to apologize in advance. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I didn't read it. I was going to go. Okay, now should I? And I go no, because if I do, I'm going to. Have to <laughs> I'll be hooked. I'll have to find out how it ends. Um, so you you also are. I well, I noticed all these initials uh, when Kelsey, your your publicist, I guess, got a hold of uh, me originally. She said, 
And he is, and she started to list all of these certifications you have. Uh, yeah. You know, and wine certifications. When did you have time to do all this, and where did you get these certifications? Here in the States or remotely, or what happened? Well, COVID was a mixed blessing for a lot of us, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Um, oh, yeah. I had planned to, yeah, I had planned to travel throughout New Zealand and Australia, and so I quit my job in Singapore and planned to start traveling at the beginning of April 2020 with my father for a while and do these wine regions. And then COVID struck. By, by the time that we realized how serious it was, it was too late to take my job back, and we were making cuts in the hotel industry anyways. And so I, the, the plan fell apart. So I found myself back in Canada uh, without a job and lots of time on my hands. So I took the opportunity to uh, complete my French Wine Scholar with the Wine Scholar Guild, and then I did the Spanish Wine Scholar Program, the Italian Wine Scholar Program, and the Canadian Wine Scholar Program. I'm now currently doing the Certified, Scholar, uh, certified Specialist in Wine, the CFW, and I was able, in those two years, I was able to work at two different wineries as well. So not only having the knowledge of visiting vineyards and selling wines and buying wines for hotels, I've actually worked at two wineries. I worked in uh, Mission Hill, Canada's best vineyard and winery for several years in British mm-hmm. Columbia. I was a salmon, so driving a forklift most of the time and loading and unloading grapes uh, off of uh, trucks and into the hopper. And uh, the following year, last year, 2021, I worked at Trius Winery in Niagara-on-the-Lake. So a beautiful ah. winery focusing on Sauvignon Blanc. And there I worked in a barrel room, so primarily working with the barrel, barrel, the barrel room, uh, pumping wine into barrels, pumping wine out of barrels. And uh, it was just a fascinating experience to see how wine is made firsthand. Lots of firsthand experience with the winemakers, a few days in the field itself. wasn't picking a lot of grapes, but I did that for a couple of days. And, man, I have a lot of respect for those people. <laughs> That's breaking work. Oh, I that is you tough, tough work. I, I, have, I have horrid memories of the times where I was picking grapes. I, I'm not at all uh, – <laughs> sad that I'm no longer doing it. You know, <laughs> it is. It's yeah, that, a that's tough a work. tough job. It yeah, I think is. once you once you work in a winery, you realize how underpriced wine really is for the amount of effort <laughs> and time and backbreaking work that goes into it. Wine should cost a fortune in every bottle, not just the uh, the DRCs. Yeah, I, you're right. It's, it's, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. how much work and I mean, and, uh, everything, the chemistries and all that other stuff you put into it. So, um I can go on about that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you, you, so you recently acquired these these uh, wine certifications. Then, so, you know, yes, just, just recently. Uh, I, yeah, I had already done the Wine and Spirit Education Trust uh, levels one, two, and three a, a good number of years ago, fifteen years ago, ten years ago. I've always been interested in wine since I got into the hotel industry. And I mean, that's a funny story in itself. I was working at a five-star hotel in London, working in banqueting and. After six months on the job, my boss, the director of food and beverage, came up to me and said, okay, Steve, we're ready for you to do the wine list and update it. I looked at him. I had no idea. I had no idea my responsibility included doing the wine list. Uh, I pretty much drank anything that was on the second bottom shelf, uh, second bottom shelf on the floor uh, back then. This is back in my early 20s. And all of a sudden, I was meeting all these wine suppliers and producers and being invited out to Burgundy, Bordeaux, Champagne, and Portugal and Spain to meet the winemakers and select wine oh for our wine list. We, we sold about $30 million worth of wine a year. It was a big banquet wow. hotel, a couple of big, busy restaurants. Yeah, it was a high-volume, high-volume uh, place. So the wine list was a really important and crucial document. So that's how I really got into it and how I, got, how I discovered the, the love of wine. Wow. I mean, I, wow. That's, uh, and you were you 
submerged into it with both feet. I mean, selling that much wine, you oh, probably got to into see it head first. <laughs> so many different types of wines and, and different uh, varieties and stuff like that. That would that would be that would be yeah, fascinating. But yeah, it's just scary. an incredible experience. Yeah, uh, very scary. Yes, to have that much responsibility thrust onto to you at such a young age, but. Uh, managed to uh, deal with it and figure things out. And I had a good team and really good wine suppliers. And that's where I really learned that people in this industry, the wine industry, the beverage industry as well, spirits uh, too, are just so passionate about what they do, whether it's the producers, the distributors, the retailers, everybody's so passionate. And it just makes for a wonderful industry to be in. Or the blog, talk radio people or anything with wine. I mean, (laughs) it affects all of us. You start talking about wine and it just becomes a passion with anyone that's involved with it. Uh, Your first book that uh, you came out with, and I apologize, I I can't remember, Root Cause, okay. Um, Yeah, my first wine thriller. What brought on the idea of that and why did you uh, decide you want to write so, a thriller? You know, both both books that I've written in the wine industry, um, the inspiration came through talking with winemakers. I was at uh-huh. a wine tasting in London, I want to say back in 2005, and I met Joel Peterson from Ravenswood Winery. No wimpy wines, right? Uh, all mm-hmm. about and we we're, were chatting and he told me about this book called The Botanist and the Vintner. And this is a real-life account by Christy Campbell, uh, a, a book about the phylloxera epidemic, how it came to be, how it came to be uh, tackled, and how they resolved the phylloxera epidemic with uh, grafting of rootstock. And I read this book in just complete fascination. And being an avid reader of thrillers and mysteries, my mind immediately went to, oh, okay, well, what, what would happen if it came back? And what would that look like? How could it come back? Why would somebody want to bring it back? And what kind of person would pursue the, the truth and try to stop it? And that's how the story came about for Root Cause. Over a number ah. of years, it percolated in my mind. So, but yeah, I, I give full credit to Joel Peterson for that, of uh, um, Ravenswood Winery. And I had the pleasure to meet him and again at his winery a couple of years ago when I was visiting Napa and Sonoma and doing a real deep tasting of, uh, of his library. And it was just a, just a tremendous experience. I mean, just a beautiful place out there in Lodi, California. Huh. It is. It's it's gorgeous. Uh, I've been to the winery in Ravenswood, and it, it is a gorgeous place up there. Um, yeah. So so Rukos came out, and that gave you the bug to, uh, no pun intended, to write a uh, another novel. Yeah. So after Rukos, the the impetus for I was working. I guess I was working in Hong Kong at the time, working in a, in a hotel company in Hong Kong, and started to learn about. Uh, Chinese wines and Asian wines and history and just thought, what would it be, wouldn't, wouldn't it be neat to write a story about wines that ties back to history and have one of those novels that flits back and forth between two different eras, two different time periods, and have the stories tie together in the end, where, which, which they do in uh, Dragon Vine. So that's where the inspiration uh, there came from. So what would this uh, ancient grape variety look like? How would it transition to the future? And how, how could there be a connection to a wine grower, winemaker in California. And I, without giving away a whole bunch of the book, because we want all of our listeners out there to jump out and be excited and buy <laughs> your books. So I don't want to tell the whole story, but there are certain things of it I, I want to talk about. Number one. There are certain themes, yes. Yes. <laughs> certain things have, you know, one of, obviously wine is, is the underlying theme on that. But this is a rather recent book, uh, I, I mean, as far as time frame goes, because it, you've mentioned the fires, the, the 
and uh, Carmine's father was killed in the fire at the beginning of the book. And the, uh, you know, these fires are rather recent. I mean, it's not like they happened 15, 20 years ago. It's just, you know, within the last few years, we've had these intense fires. Excuse me. And uh, so, and you've also mentioned things, too, in there that are uh, up to date. And so, uh, well, my question is, excuse me again, my question is, how is this going to age in your book? I mean, you want this book around for a while. And do you really think that the current things are going to become obscure and not carry any knowledge with them? Or do you do you think people reading it are going to say, oh, yeah, I remember the fires of, of the Napa and Sonoma counties and stuff like that? I, well, if, if, they, if, they, if the story doesn't age um, in terms of the times, and I can see I captured the zeitgeist of the times, and it's a snapshot of how things were. Uh, but I think with climate change and the impact it's having on the wine industry, on agriculture in general, uh, these things are only going to get more and more dire, and they pose a, a huge challenge to the industry, and there's got to be a lot of ways to adapt to that. And I, I tackle this, some of the same themes of climate change and Jupiter's blood as well. Uh-huh. Um, but counterfeiting, counterfeiting, I don't think is going to go away. It's, it's always going to be no. uh, an arms race, you know, genuine uh, winemakers versus counterfeiters. It's just going to be an arms race continually because there's so much money involved in the industry. I mean, wherever you go now, you can find counterfeit products, whether it's Louis Vuitton handbags or Stella McCartney handbags or wine or even breakfast cereals. Anything that can be counterfeited can be. So it's just this arms race that I don't think that's going to go away. So I think in that sense, a lot of the story is going to be relevant. And at the, at the heart of the story, it's, it's about love and loss and family and what you'll do to protect that. And that, those are timeless themes. So I think it, it should age well. Very good. Okay. I just And then you quoted, uh, well, you, you mentioned a lot of one of the characters is from China. And she is uh, an avid fan of Sun Tzu. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, okay. There you go. You, the, the Chinese terms and the Chinese words on there. I'm going. Where did he learn these? What is this? Is he making this stuff up? Because I don't know Chinese. You can just, you know, make up a word. Uh, <laughs> what uh, do you know? Chinese? Are these everything you wrote is actual true? Chinese everything and all is that? absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole story that revolves around the first emperor of China, the backstory. All the the backstory there is absolutely true. I mean, what the characters individually do in terms of the the, the wine shop uh, owner and the the uh, physician, they they're they're fictionalized. But all the major characters around them, the emperor, the emperor's advisors and sons, those are all real characters. And all those incidents are real. The emperor did pass away. The emperor did uh, get poisoned by mercury over time by his advisors. So that's all absolutely huh. true. So I set the whole story against this true backdrop with my own fictional characters spread throughout so I, I guess kind of a forest gump approach in that in that sense so history is uh, real but the the main characters are fictional oh well, yeah obviously you you don't know that you know the physician was talking to the wine shop owner and this is what he said i mean this is you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know it'd be a stretch but uh but everything else is true i i i yeah absolutely know that. Sure. All the terms, all the all the quotes, yeah, they're all absolutely true. And I mean, I studied history when I was in university, so I've always been a huge fan of history and a student of history, and just find it fascinating. So 
I'd love to tackle another couple of novels in the future where the same thing happens. Maybe there'll, there'll be a winemaker in a time of uh, uh, Julius Caesar's Rome, and then that could somehow tie back to the future, or I could just do a historical fiction wine thriller one day. So there's lots of so much, so many stories in the world of wine to tell, and I think I'm hoping this is a bit of a niche of the wine thriller. There's, there's plenty of great wine uh, books out there, and wine mysteries, and wine stories. Whether it's Ellen Crosby who writes her murder mystery series, uh, there, and there's a lot of other authors that write about wine, but I think I'm the only wine thriller writer. So I've got another two uh, two novels being queued up right now. One's called The Psalm. Another one's called uh, Crush Crew. So there's a so then Jupiter's Blood coming out next, uh, hopefully later this year, if not early in 2020, uh, 2023. Oh wow! Okay, so you're going to you're going to be noted as a very prolific wine mystery writer uh, as the time. I passes. certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the plan. <laughs> uh, okay. Now you mentioned a lot of times, you know, during this, uh, you, you really dwelled into uh, the wine aspect of it and you talked a lot well I don't want to say technical I mean I I didn't I didn't read it as technical because simply I know all this stuff being in the wine industry and I don't know wine and all this other stuff but I I just thinking oh this is cool I know this but I always as I read those things wondered how that would interpret to people who don't know that were you concerned about that? It's always a balance I, I try to strike in my writing because I know that not everybody will be as interested in as much of the uh, the wine uh, details as I might be. So it's trying to find a balance where you're not just info dumping and putting a ton of knowledge into a, into a page just for the sake of it, making it approachable, but also making it appealing to people who do know wine and love wine and can read it and say, hey, this is actually fascinating. I, yeah, as you say, I know that, I know that, I've been there, that's happened to me. So it's trying to find that balance between people who love wine, make sure that appeals to them and who know wine, and people who have never picked up a bottle that doesn't have a, uh, a screw cap on it. So I was trying right. to appeal to all readers. Yeah, well, you did explain each thing on there, but I just I was wondering if, uh, well, okay, you, you answered my question, because you were trying to let the people who don't know this stuff educate them a little bit with the terms thrown out there and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, it, it's not yeah, above, I, I mean, it, I was just going to say it's not uh, above anyone who doesn't know wine and doesn't know stuff in the industry because you try to educate them as you're going through in the novel. And I've noticed that also, and that's uh, admirable uh, because someone can pick this book up and start reading it and when they lay it down, be satisfied with the storyline and everything, but also say, well, now I've learned what a Corbin is and stuff like that, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, they won't get a certification at the end, but hopefully they've learned enough to keep their interest, explore more. And I've always loved reading books where I learn something, so it's not just a, a trashy novel where you don't actually learn anything, but there's actually some kind of industry you learn about and new facts and fun figures that you learn about. So that's always been appealing to me. And I, I try to write the books that I think I would like to read. And if I write a book that I would like to read, I think it would come across as a much more fun and interesting book uh, otherwise for my readers. I have talked to authors before on the program, and most okay. of them have said that they don't just sit down and write a book and, okay, here's done. Uh, it takes them time. They go back. They rewrite. They look at it uh, again. They have somebody else to read it, be it a, a, you know, a, a wife or a, you know, a significant other or something. And 
they say it's not the final product is a conglomeration of months of changing everything. You too? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I wish I could just sit down, write the book, and be done with it. But writing the first draft is probably about ten percent of the work. <laughs> There's oh, a lot yeah. of rewrite. Yeah, there, sometimes you'll take out a whole character from a novel because they just don't appeal or they don't make sense. Or sometimes you'll add another character to the story. Um, I think, uh, yeah, originally Dragonvine, when I showed it to a couple of beta readers, they, they said there wasn't enough female presence in it. So they're, they're, they, they felt it was too male-dominated or uh, written more for a male audience. So I, I added uh, Vivian into the story. And that really changed the whole dynamic between the characters and the tone of the novel and, in a much more positive way, I think. And I'm really happy with that change. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of changes uh, made as one writes. I, I've got a good pocket of beta readers. I've got a couple of people who don't know anything about wine. I've got a couple of sommeliers who read it. I've got an, a great editor in the States, uh, New, in New York, who edits everything I, read, I, I write. And then one of my old English teachers as well. He, he happens really? to read everything I write too. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah, we're still still in contact and going back. Yeah, it's got over thirty years now, and he still happily reads every page I write and gives me great comments and feedback. So, yeah, it, it takes a village to write a book. Definitely, yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, this is what, and, and we've gotten that same type of uh, response from other authors too. Say that you know they, in fact, uh, we. Yeah, it, it, they make a whole novel and then they go, ooh, and then they end up changing almost 90% of it because it's just not what they were looking for. So, yeah, it's, I, I, I've i always had ideas to write, but I'm just, I'm not a writer, and I accept that. So I've never written, but, you know, when, and it's a shame because I've got a lot of, a lot of ideas. So, well, yeah, that you you must have a lot of anecdotes and stories, and I mean, fun facts and figures from your time as a winemaker yourself. And <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, and something else too. I mean, I've I've been involved with wine for many, many, many years, but I also worked as a yeah. photographer. Uh, oh, for okay, wow. A lot of years, I I worked as a photographer in all aspects, but I've done oh, I I would say conservatively thirty six hundred weddings in uh, in my time wow. as in my life as a photographer and my book would be anecdotes of weddings and what happens in different aspects of a wedding. I mean, there's some hilarious things and people are, that would be a know, fascinating book. I would read it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And that's what people say. And, and you know, I think brides would love it before they get married and them going, Oh my gosh, you know, these are what could go wrong. And, you know, and, but I'm not a writer. And so, therefore, I don't sit down and write. I, I have a hard enough time sitting down and and reading, uh, you know, the sports page. So, <laughs> <I'm> writing. <laughs> yeah. You can but, get uh, a ghostwriter. You just sit down and tell them go. stories just, and they read the book for you. Yeah. Just start telling them the stories, let them, you know, tick them out. And, you know, how that, that might that might be worth it. But, you know, I just, I, I envy you as a writer because that's something that I've never really, never really been able to sit down and do. So, Dragonfly. It's a fascinating uh, process and very enjoyable. Yeah. Oh yeah, well yeah, and you have something tangible at the end there too. Well, same as making wine. You know, it's, it's a fascinating process, and at the end, I can say, here, I made this, and it's great. And people sip and go, wow, that is great. You know, and I think that would be the same with the book. Here, I wrote this; it's great. And you read it, and yeah, it is great. And so the same type of it, it does feel good to have that tangible product at the end. Absolutely. Yes, and and. Uh, I, I think that has uh, a, a lot to 
lot to do with your final goal is to have something there at the end and then people enjoy it. Dragonfly, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give away a whole lot of the story, but I do want to talk about the story itself. In fact, I think I want you to talk about the story. Just give us uh, you know, a synopsis of what happens on here and, and the characters and and what goes on. Again, with you know, I, I'm not asking to tell the story because we want people to say, oh, that's interesting. I need to go buy it. And so, yeah. Well, uh, Carmine Cooper is the main character, and right off the bat, uh, his father dies in a wildfire. That's no surprise. It's in the summary on the back of the novel. And he's instantly put in this position where he reluctantly has to take over the family winery, which is an immense debt. Uh, there's, an, there's an ATF investigation uh, against the winery. The uh, ICE, the immigration authorities, are uh, constantly looking into the, the operation. He's a very vengeful and uh, challenging neighbor, so... Right away, he just has all these challenges, and he's looking after uh, his young, uh, his younger sister. Their mom passed away some time ago. Uh, he's got a great uh, winemaker uh, colleague, Solomon, who helps him out throughout the story, but he, he's just put in this impossible situation. He's trying to figure out a way around it, and he makes a couple of bad decisions, and that turns into even uh, more, uh, more, more, more challenges for him, and eventually he's got to figure his way out of it. So it's a, it's a fun story, a lot of different uh, a lot of different plot twists, a lot of different uh, angles to resolve throughout the story, and eventually it all comes out in the end, and he, he's successful, but he'll let everybody read the story to figure out how and why. And, yeah, so I think and, it's a fun story, because it's all set against his real background, uh, Napa, Sonoma, and uh, every, everything I write about it, I've been to these places, so hopefully the readers can feel that when they're there. And you do a very good job of painting a picture of the different places, too. You, yeah, oh, thank you. They, they end up in a barn, and you can mentally picture the barn. You describe, you know, the barn. This this is what it looks like, and you can see them in the barn yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, you know, it's very good yeah. about that. Yeah, and it's, you did an excellent job on that. The um, – uh, oh, gee, I just – oh, Carmine. Okay. His mother's Chinese, and his father is an American. American, But yeah. you never really – and I always wondered – Throughout the the novel, I was curious of why you didn't develop more on the fact that Carmine has to be, uh, I mean, he's not just a 23-year-old American boy. He is a 23-year-old Chinese-American as far as descent goes. And so, therefore, his features and all this would be uh, uh, more oriental, I would think. And you never hit on that, and I wondered why. I do touch upon it, but very subtly. Um, the publishing world right now is very sensitive toward people writing of others who are not of the same, whether it's, um, uh, I mean, of the same background. So for a, I mean, if you look at something like American Dirt, you have this American woman who wrote about, the American author, who wrote all about a, a Mexican struggle to cross the border and save her family. And that got a lot of heat. And so in this right. age when you're writing, you've got to be mindful of who you're writing about. So this wasn't necessarily a story about a Chinese-American boy. It was a story about a winemaker who happened to have a Chinese mother. And I, that, that was used to tie in the ancient uh, emperor of China, of course. So there had to be some connection back to China. So I didn't want to harp on it too much because I'm not Chinese. I'm not trying to tell the story of a Chinese winemaker or the struggles of being Chinese in America, um, positive or negative. 
I wanted to look at it from the point of view of a winemaker who happened to be Chinese American. But there are there are some some subtle touches upon that, whether it's uh, how he's uh, handled by his neighbor, how his neighbor approaches him, how the immigration authorities look at him and investigate him. So I do touch upon the fact that he is Chinese American without going to try to tell his story, because again, that's not my story to tell. Uh, yeah, and, okay, that that explains about it. <clears throat> okay. I was wondering because being Chinese American, like I said, he would would uh, well, what's I, I don't want to say persecuted because he's not anymore, but it would be looked at differently, especially you know coming into a business that's Napa and all that was dominated by uh, white Americans, uh, if you will, and so yeah. going into that. But, uh, you know, that's almost a whole sub-story there, I would think. And I, I see why publishers are shying away from it. So that, that really is the reason more so than anything. Yeah, very much yeah. so. I even had some some uh, some agents and publishers, publishers mention that when I approached them uh, because they, they saw that there was characters of uh, different nationalities. And they said, okay, how do you, what's your experience of those nationalities? Are you yourself American Chinese? Like, nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I can't write purely about uh, white Americans all the time, uh, white American males. So there, do, there, do, there does have to be other characters in there. But right. their individual stories would not necessarily be mine to tell. Okay. Okay. But well, that I again, I was I was curious, and I, I something that I think it was an underlying theme there that since he was uh, Chinese American, that it would be brought up more. But I can see why now. So understandable. Thank you for explaining that to me. Uh, Mike, do you have any you you have any questions? See, see what I told you, Mike. At the end, you know, Stephen, <laughs> she's mentioning all these places he's part- been and everything else. <laughs> Only thing he hasn't been is to the moon, and I expect if they grew grapes there, he'd be up the yeah. next month. But, um, yeah, I just uh, just a comment. It's it's fascinating, and and you've accomplished uh, an amazing uh, just everything. I mean, it's just um, it's just really great to you know. I don't know. It seems like a short amount of time, but as much as you've done in the industry itself, it's just uh, really. Where's our uh, audience? Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, it's just. <laughs> oh, it's just. Uh, oh, they were drinking. Really, uh, um, yeah. Well, I hope everybody's amazing. having a glass of wine while they listen to this. That's absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I always have a glass of wine during the show. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's just you've accomplished so much. Uh, do you have a significant other in your life? Or are you traveling uh, life so far on your own? Uh, I, I travel to Anguilla on my own, so no, ah. so in the hotel industry, it's a bit of a challenging industry to uh, to settle down and meet a partner sometimes. Um, but certainly, that's in the future. I hope so. I'm not sure how long I'll be in a British West Indies. Uh, probably another, probably a couple of years, and we'll see what where I go next. I mean, the great thing about uh, having two passports and working in hospitality, uh, you can go pretty much anywhere. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. Ideally, next would be a wine producing region, so I can travel to the vineyards more. As, and hopefully uh, a place where I can study my for my WSET4, the diploma. I'm currently pursuing that. I've done a couple of the exams. I need to finish that up uh, in the next couple of years. And then if that goes well and I have time, I'd love to pursue the Master of Wine accreditation eventually. So that's, that's yeah. the ultimate goal. And then continue writing books about wine and sharing my passion and, and yeah, putting all this uh, well-found knowledge into use in a fun and educational way in these books. 
Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a fascinating, fascinating life. It really is. Um, I, my wife, I refer to as engineer during the show, just brought me in uh, a wine, uh, King Stag, uh, California Merlot, 2019, from King oh, nice. Stag. Uh, King okay. Stag Cellars. Uh, yeah, it just it doesn't say anything much about it. It just has a little publicity thing about the grace, but uh, a uh, very pretty bottle, of Calif- a 2019 Merlot. And let well, me... It's nice to see Merlot making a comeback now. I see it more and more on the shelves, and more and more producers are are bringing it back. Ever since Sideways came out, and it went away. I know. The dinosaur, wow. <laughs> I know. Never, never, never has a book had so much impact on a wine on a grape variety. So, now hey, yeah. what, what about a, a lot of notoriety? Uh, Rex Pickett got off of that. It's fantastic. So, so as an author, I know I've got a lot of responsibility. I can't, uh, I can't uh, uh, criticize any particular variety too much. Yeah, I'll have wine yeah, I, going after, after sports. <laughs> yeah, after sideways came out, I had a, had a young lady who was in the winery, and uh, after tasting, and she motioned me over and she goes, "I have a question." I go. Yeah, she goes. Is it all right to drink Merlot? I go. Yeah, yeah. Oh my it's God. More than all right. It is a great one. I said. Did you happen to see the movie Sideways? She goes. Yes, I did. I just, you know. Oh yeah. It's a movie. Drink for... Merlot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, please, please. It's a beautiful variety. It just struck me when you know, and it struck me how much of an impact. Uh, that novel and movie had on Merlot. I mean, it was really... Oh, yeah, it, it decimated the Merlot industry, absolutely. And the challenge, of course, as you know, with, with wine is it takes three to four years to pivot. You can't just produce Pinot Noir the next year. You've got to, I mean, dig up the dig up the vines, replant, and it's unless you get the, the varietals that are done. Out. Yeah, it takes a while. <laughs> and then you age them and all that, and you're looking at, you know, six, seven years before you have your And by that time, Merlot was starting to recover, so... <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> so they've got to pivot again. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, but uh, well, I never, I never realized until that young lady came up to me and asked me, asked me. I didn't realize how much of an impact, you know, oh, <laughs> that that had on Merlot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, well, to your but, point, to your point earlier, when you when you asked about my uh, my write my writing about uh, the com- current events like the wildfires, uh, I do keep up as much as I can in the industry. I have a lot of friends and colleagues who are in the industry, and I follow all of them on Instagram and on their websites and blogs, and I read the decanter and uh, wine advocate as much as possible. And like I said, visit a different wine region every year to keep up to up to date and continue my studies too. The one has to. The wine industry is always changing, and every year a whole new volume of knowledge comes out. So you just oh. have to stay on top of it. Within that, though, there's so many great ideas for stories and characters and yeah, plot plot points. Well, it, and you brought into ancient Chinese uh, storylines in Dragon Vine. You said also uh, in uh, uh, Jupiter's Blood. You uh, said you're going to be doing that also. And is why do you go to ancient Chinese? Because it is ancient, the history there, or you said you're going to look at well, maybe Roman. Yeah, well, I looked at. I worked in Hong Kong for a while, as mentioned, and uh, just fell in love with the culture there. In terms of, and I visited China and the site of the terracotta warriors. So that's where some of the, the story ideas came from. Um, and as I mentioned, I'm a history major too. So just history fascinates uh-huh. me, and I was history definitely informs and influences the future. And finding fun and uh, interesting ways to tie um, 
these events from the from the past to the present is, is a challenge that any author would would undertake. So uh, I certainly could write easier, more linear books. It might be a lot faster too, but I like to challenge myself as a writer. <laughs> so, and I think hopefully it's a richer, it's a, it results in a richer story for the reader. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, Dragonvine is really a really quite fascinating book. I enjoyed it tremendously. Well, thank you. Um, no, you're quite welcome, uh, and thank you for uh, the opportunity. Uh, the novel, I usually try if I get a chance to read something before I get a guest on, I'll usually read it. But Dragonvine was one of those where uh, there were chapters in the middle there where I literally could not put it down. It was, uh, well, what's going to happen to this person? What's going to happen to this person? Type thing, and that you, you did create a uh, a thriller there in the fact that. You well, what is the thriller? But wanting to find out what is going on, and so that's just uh, just what you do with Dragonvine, which yeah. makes me so want to... you... go ahead. Go on. Uh, I was, I was just going to say this. Yeah, there's certainly the intent there to to write thrillers and to have every chapter finish on a, a bit of a cliffhanger, uh, and then yeah, to invite the guests to read as much uh, more and to re- to continue reading. So it's a uh, bit of a challenge to write that way, but I think, yeah, I think a lot of fun. And as I mentioned, this is a bit of a, a niche that I'm hoping to create with this wine industry thrillers and eventually create a whole wine universe of different characters that might end up one day meeting in different novels. There you go. Yeah, that sounds interesting too. <laughs> well, you said, you know, each chapter ending in a, in a cliffhanger, but you have some chapters here, especially toward the back of the book that consist of 10 paragraphs and, that's it. You condense on the chapter, jumping to different characters, and that's just a chapter within them, too. So um, your chapters aren't real long, but the, the, you do cover characters in each chapter. So it is easy to follow that way. You're, you're not going to, to tell the readers out there. You're not going to get lost trying to keep track of who's who here. I mean... Yes, there are different yeah, characters. Every, yeah, every chapter comes from a different character point of view, so it's pretty straightforward to follow the story. But there are multiple characters who have point of view status, so you get to see the story from different uh, people's uh, through different people's eyes. And, and hey. I, I've been writing for two and a half decades now, so I've been studying this craft for a while and have a lot of great influences in terms of other writers. And those short, punchy chapters, that's very much a James Patterson effect, I think. And he, mm-hmm. he does that very well, so I like to emulate what's, what works out there. And it's it's a good way to do it. I mean, you, you, there's enough characters there that makes the story interesting, but there's not so many that you got to go, well, let's see, who's this person? You have to refer back to uh, earlier chapters to try to figure out what, what this person is doing in the story. It's just there's enough there that you know who they are and everybody ties in together, but you're not overwhelmed by characters, which sometimes that could be distracting in a novel. And so... Give you, uh, it's not war and peace, that's for sure. It's more Shard and Reese, so Chardonnay and Riesling. So, yeah, much more approachable, <laughs> much easier, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. It, yeah, it, it's a very good, very good book on that. Um, so, you are Dragonvine. If people want to purchase this book, I I see on the book uh, iUniverse.com. That's probably uh, that's the one of the ways. But you can go on any, yeah, you can go on any online bookseller, Amazon, Borders, Noble, uh, yeah, Borders, and you can pick that. You can pick up uh, Dragonvine and my previous novel, Root Cause. Yeah, and uh, and they're available you, on Kindle and 
all the electronic reading formats too. All right, it, you know, you can check all of them out on that. And when are you projecting that you'll be out with Jupiter's blood? Hopefully towards the end of the year, if not early next year. So just waiting on the publisher confirmation details. Mm-hmm. Well, so make it's a, a long industry. Yeah, <laughs> well, make a, a note to Kelsey, uh, who is your, I guess, your, uh, your, pub, uh, your. She's my publisher. Yeah, my publisher yeah. in California. Okay, make make a note to Kelsey to contact us when Jupiter's blood comes out, and we'll get you on. We'll talk about Jupiter's blood. Oh, absolutely! And, I'd be thrilled to do that. Yeah, and uh, let people out there, you know, will we'll know a little bit more about uh, the next novel and all that, and maybe we can help create you an audience for your wine themed thrillers here yes and uh, well that would be deeply deeply appreciated and that's certainly what i'm trying to do as well i'm sticking to this theme of wine thrillers now and as they say in this day and age uh, building my tribe so if i can get a good (laughs) good 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 following of people who love wine thrillers who love wine eventually that will just grow and grow and word of mouth will spread about the novels and like i said hopefully i'm entertaining and educating uh people at the same time and it's something that they want to dive into well, it is very entertaining. I, I did uh, did enjoy the book very much. Like I say, it was. Uh, uh, I, I try to keep up, and this one I had problems putting down on some of the end of some chapters because it was like, well, what's going to happen next? And you got to read ahead a little bit. And so it, it was very. Well, that, good that was very flattering. Yeah, Mike. Any comments you want to make to Stephen here before? Uh, Wow. Uh, he goes from around the world. What time is it there, Stephen? Where are you at? At the same time. We're on EST. So we're in the oh. same time zone. So it makes it convenient. Oh. Yeah, no, normally if I'm in Singapore and some other place around the world, there's a good 12 hours or 18 hour time difference here. I'm in the same time zone, so very easy. Oh. Well, I'm I'm confused how that works. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in the Caribbean, just off the, off the just yeah. off to the right of the Puerto Rico, near Saint Martin. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so, so not you're too far away. Okay. All right. Uh, well, yeah. I I was thinking halfway around the world for some reason. Well, I'm sure, sure you quarter, know what I was Quarter way. <laughs> quarter way around the world. That's all. Yeah. Our eighth are <laughs> divided into twenty-four sections for different times, so only not even one twenty-fourth. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so Mike, I'm sorry. Uh, any any last oh, comments to Stephen here? I was, I might have missed it already, but um, for some, I was trying to catch up on some of the notes here. But uh, uh, British West in, West Indies, where you are now, do they not have a wine industry? I mean, is is it not a not a thing there like it is, you know, elsewhere or or what? No, it, the, the climate doesn't support it, unfortunately. Uh, so there, there's really okay. a wine industry there. So it's, it's a climatic thing, unfortunately. Uh, the soil the soil, and the entire ecosystem here doesn't support uh, that mm-hmm. kind of agriculture, unfortunately. But with climate yeah. change one day, who knows? And that could be another subject of an awful one day. Yeah, well, the way yeah. the climate <laughs> is changing all over the world, it, you know, you could have... Uh, yeah, uh, every year we're planting further and further north, and... Uh, the southern countries are getting hit harder and harder by climate change, and it's changing. I mean, everything from capitalization to what types, what varieties of grapes are being grown. So, I mean, yeah, the climate change is having a massive impact on on the wine world. And again, Jupiter's oh. blood explores that quite a bit in the next novel. 
Mm. And, you know, the the uh, new wine, our new grapes coming out all the time trying to help mitigate this climate change effect on grapes. And yep. so they're coming up with new ones constantly. And, uh, I, I you know, that is something – when someone says, oh, Cabernet Sauvignon or Merlot or Riesling or Chardonnay, everybody's ears perk up because they're familiar with it. But when they start coming out with these new varieties, I don't know how easily people are going to grasp those and embrace those. I, uh, it's something that's always had me questioning if the new varieties are going to catch on, no matter how how good they might make them. It's just people are not subject to change easily. So, um, Yeah, the noble varieties have a stranglehold on the market, that's for sure. So, yeah, yeah. you can use uh, lesser-known varieties out. I mean, and every country has tons of lesser-known grape varieties. Uh, mm-hmm. It will be a challenge, a huge challenge for marketers and for distributors and wholesalers. Uh, so, but, but definitely that will be the way we need to go in the future because not the noble varieties won't be yeah. as well oh, as yeah. some of the uh, more hardy lesser varieties. The only way they're going to survive in, in the heat and, and the different effects, not just the heat, but, you know, the, the uh, well, look at France, and they're being pummeled by hailstorms, it seems like, almost every year now, and, and things like yeah. that. So, yeah, Bur- Burgundy gets hit every year by hailstorms. Uh, yeah, in northern Italy as well, it only has its share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a different different growing world out there now. So, well, yeah, and a huge challenge for winemakers, that's for sure. A big challenge. It's uh, such a – I am surprised that a lot of them haven't just thrown in the town and say, I'm not going to fight this anymore. So, Yeah, and but, that's one of the big decisions uh, Carmine has to make. Does he throw in the towel or does he does he, does he uh, focus on the future and take care of his family and save the winery? So he'll have to reach out and go. find out. Very good segue there, I have to say. Okay. <laughs> that's that's, there. Like that's why you're a writer. See? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking your time today to uh, oh, on all about wine. It's really enjoyable. And for one last plug for everybody out there and all that, Dragon Vine by Stephen Lane. A wine thriller. That's his second one. Uh, he's got others that are also out there, so you, you don't have to just stay with one novel. Root Cause. It has uh, about phylloxera. You say? Uh, yes, uh, the resurgence of phylloxera. The resurgence of phylloxera, and I've talked about phylloxera on the show many times, so my listeners should know about it. And then uh, the new novel, uh, Jupiter's Bud. So. And we'll look forward to getting you back on the show in about a year when Jupiter's Blood is out, and we can discuss that. So. Well, I look forward to returning, Ron. Thank you so much for all your time this evening. And, Mike, wonderful to meet you as well. And thank you for everything. You. It's been a yeah, great conversation. Yes. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Great thank you so much you. for taking your time. And uh, we'll look forward to next year with uh, with your new novel. Okay, gentlemen. Thank evening. you so much. Have a great night. Right. And cheers. Enjoy that. Oh. Thank I you. am. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. All right. All the best. Good night. Good night. Uh-huh. You too. Good night. All right. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. Yeah. 
Wow. It's a great novel, though. It, it really is. And, and we, were, we were talking. I don't want to, uh, like I told him, I don't want to give away uh, anything uh, because it is a thriller. And, you, you, you know, you've got to read it and all that to see what's going on. It is 400 pages, 398, I think. And uh, it's uh, it's an uh, I, I want to say an easy read. He's got it divided up into chapters, and the chapters have uh, unintentional sections in it simply because he separates when he talks about something some other place. He talks about the uh, – he divides it up so you're not trying to figure out where you are and what he's talking about. He gives a little, little split there to say, okay, now we're going to switch lanes and talk about this for a little bit. But uh, – very interesting novel, a uh, fun novel, and it will hold your fascination. So get a chance. Uh, I can Dragon Vine, I had an opportunity to read it. I have not read um, Root Cause. That sounds like that might be fun. I've talked about Phylloxera times on the show. And, yeah. uh, you know, the effects of it and how it works and all that. And looks like he took that. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it looks like he took that and... Uh, wrote about another major outbreak of phylloxera, and that's what Root Cause is all about. So you can uh, check that out if you're interested. And then his new one, Duper's Blood, will be out in the year, and I'd like to get him back on the show, and we can talk about that one too. So good guest, a lot of fun, very interesting. And like you say, he's been everywhere. And um, young and able to travel, and, you know, what a life, you know. Oh. Yeah. He's put his mind and everything to it and uh the certification process I, I can't imagine how much that has you know, you had to go through to get all that, but uh oh my very gosh, accomplished yeah. in the industry and uh yeah, it's just it's uh, amazing. I mean uh, those are not easy you know, easy things to, to uh to have. So uh, I mean to earn I guess. So yeah. Earn, earn yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, so, yeah. He's... I said FWS, IWS, SWS, CWS. That's what they are. Uh, it's French wine certification, Italian, uh, Spanish, and Canadian. I didn't know Canadian had a wine certification, but the Canadian wine industry is really quite involved. So uh, it's been around for a long time. There's lots of wineries in Canada, uh, a ton of them right by Niagara Falls and Niagara region there. Uh, so... Uh, you know, it's, it's it's quite a quite an industry there. So, so yeah. interesting. It, uh, uh, good guest, good author, and uh, we as always wish him the best. And uh, glad he was able to take time and join us tonight. So mm-hmm. I'll have to I'll have to let Kelsey. That's his publicist, Kelsey, and let her know. Keep us in mind on his next book. We like to talk about that. Wine wine fraud. Yeah, that's what it's going to go into. And that's something else we've talked about on the show, too, is wine fraud. Counterfeits. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. How to try to stop it. Little underlying thing Mm. of wine fraud and dragon vine, too. So uh, that's. Mm. He hits on that a little bit there, too. So to pique everyone's interest. Excuse me. So, uh, we're done 
done for another week. Now, we uh, are ending June, and we're going into July. This next month, I need to find out when my cigar friends are going to be available on a Thursday night, but we are going to have a cigar show uh, sometime within the next couple of three weeks on All About Wine. We're just going to dedicate it to cigars because a lot of times people who drink wine are cigar smokers. And to prove my point, Wine Enthusiast Magazine has now, and a few years ago, came out with Cigar Fingiado. And that is the same publisher as Wine Spectator. So uh, they know that the market is there. Yeah. And uh, they know the market is there between the two. And so they... And so we are going to be cutting edge on this. We're going to do a show on cigars. Uh, we have, as of right now, four guests, four guys that do wine blogs and, and uh, are, I'm sorry, do cigar blogs, and they are very knowledgeable in it and all that. And uh, so it's uh, it should be a fun show, and we'll set aside – two hours for that show because these guys like to talk and, uh, and so <laughs> they may may get on the show and I just sort of sit back, Mike and I sit back and just uh, giggling in the background while they, while they go on. So, Turn it over to them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. They, they write, they write their, so let's hope that they don't get on the, microphone and, and go, uh, <laughs> uh that's all right. <laughs> now, is this, is this something that we may need to pre-record so I can cut out some of the language in there? Or is <laughs> I've it, already uh, warned them. I've already warned them. Yeah. Okay. I, I have. I've warned them. Raise the rating, I think. Uh, yeah. Put it on YouTube. Uh, might not be suitable for uh, children. <laughs> for for immature audience. Late night show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah why, I've already warned them. Why are the kids up at <laughs> 7 o'clock? Put the kids to bed at 7 o'clock. Put the kids to bed at 7. In fact, Cap, who has been a previous guest, Cap says, that means we can't mm-hmm. cuss? And I go... Well, you can say, you know, maybe sprinkle in a dam or something, but, you know, yeah, stay away from certain words. <laughs> he goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Did I ever tell you, I ever tell you the story about uh, the Shrek movie? I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, no. uh, when I, I was, I drove a charter bus. I don't know if people knew this, but many years ago, I drove a charter bus and we take kids groups, religious groups, kids, you know, uh, daycares, and they always wanted to watch Shrek. And we had this one group on there. I was like, oh, please play it. Please play it. And the parents were like all for it. Oh, my God, that's a, you know, the cleanest movie that's out there and everything. And when we got off the bus, I said, do you realize what, um, oh, my God, what's the donkey's name? Maybe it's just donkey. I forgot. But when he's looking behind him and um, the lion, what's the, I forgot. I forgot the characters. But anyway, when he's being chased, uh, Marty, yeah, there you go. When he's being chased and. The, is it the donkey? The zebra? I forgot what it was. It's not a, anyway, he looks behind him and he goes, oh, sugar, honey, iced tea. And <laughs> you know, the kids laugh and everything like that. And I told one of the parents and I said, do you realize what he's sounding out there? And they go, no, what did, he said sugar, honey, iced tea. I don't see anything wrong with it. And I go, think about yeah. it. And think about it. A few steps later, it was like, 
few steps later, I was like, oh, we're never going to watch this movie again. And I can't believe <laughs> they did that. I was like, come on. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was, that was, that like, was, cute. was a little, that cute way to do it. <laughs> little windows in there. But, yeah, he looks behind him. He goes, oh, sugar, honey, iced tea. And we're like, yes. <laughs> kids, kids oh, I never just, saw that. No clue. No uh, clue the for the kids. kids laugh, laugh, and, you know. yeah. and most of yeah. the parents obviously the, didn't get it either. You know. No, the parents didn't. No, they, she went and uh, told the, the whole group of them, and they were like, oh, we're not going to watch that again. No, I didn't realize they said that. Oh, come on. It's not, <laughs> they didn't say not anything. It. Yeah, your, your five-year-old didn't even pick up on that. Come on. That's but, right. And um, if he did, you yeah, need to look I've at never... more in the family issue than you do that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll never forget that because it was so, so shocking that nobody had a clue. And I'm, I, every time I hear it, and I look back and I look at the kids, and I'm like, yeah, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. They, they don't know. <laughs> right past them. Yep. Oh, that's funny. No, I never seen. I'm gonna have to watch the movie yeah. just to see that one scene. <laughs> yeah. 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 He snaps out of it and starts chasing him around, and he looks back and yeah, it was a good thing. Um, Any ice tea? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it makes sense too. Whoever thought of that acronym it did a good job yeah. of that. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, oh, that's very good. That was, that was yeah, a fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, now we're after eight o'clock. And uh, anyway, yeah. Um, Let me give you we a have review to, on this have... wine before we go. Uh, King's Stag. I'm not familiar with King's Stag, but it's a California Merlot. And it says mm-hmm. on the back of the bottle, inspired by the noble creature's grace and natural elegance, King Stag wines reflect the proud lineage and rich terror of California's most acclaimed wine-growing regions. It says, this majestic Merlot envelops your senses with dark cherry and plums, setting a backdrop for mature tannins and moderate acidity. Its superb balance and refined character make this wine a noble presence, whether enjoyed with food or simply relished on its own. Well, that sounds like you want to drink it, doesn't it? Um, what's that? <laughs> really, they paint a good picture there. Yeah. Uh, oh, there it is. 13% alcohol. And uh, California Merlot. Uh, it doesn't say anything else. It's California. Where is they located? Uh, Sonoma. Okay. They're located in Sonoma, which is actually the same county as Dragon Vine is located in the novel. So mm-hmm. that worked well. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, interesting color on this. It's a classic Merlot color. A little light, not real or dark, but... Uh, and I do pick up the plumminess of it. Cherries. And that's about it. Wow. But uh, a good plum. And the plum comes through in the taste. The cherry, not so much. So there's the cherry in the aftertaste. It takes a minute for that cherry to come up in the aftertaste. Oh, very pleasant wine. Uh, nice legs on it, for those of you who are into legs. It's got some some nice legs in it, on it. And 
it is uh, very, very drinkable, very approachable. There you go. I can talk like a wine person. It's a very approachable. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I always wonder what that meant. Approachable. Hello, my name is Ron. Hi, I'm an approachable one below. Um, but, uh, <laughs> catch, uh, catch Ron's new book, Approachable Wine, will be out uh, this uh, fall. Approachable, approachable Wine. <laughs> Is it going to run and hide, or can you approach it? Okay. We so next month we are going to have we're going to have ourselves a cigar show, and we will keep you informed on that. And also, I've got some. Emails coming in about other guests, so uh, we'll start scheduling some guests in the summer here for different things. And continue our weekly frivolity and our great guests and <laughs> all, all the stuff that all the wine brings. Yeah, there is a big weekend uh, ahead of us. Um, July fourth is uh, oh that yeah, you're right yeah. Monday Monday anyway yeah Monday yeah July fourth Monday uh, so be safe if you're out traveling I'm sorry uh, but uh, be safe and um, <laughs> you know uh, yeah, really be careful and, uh, yeah yeah, yeah. please be careful be careful with fireworks I mean if you blow off a finger it's going to be hard to hold a wine glass so yeah. don't do that exactly no. Um, and then we'll be back uh, July 7th, and hopefully everybody will be back and join us. So uh, uh, right. have a great uh, weekend. Be safe. Uh, have a great week ahead, and we'll see you all next Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Blog Talk Radio, Facebook, YouTube, and who knows who else is carrying this. Carrying us now, yeah. Have a safe fourth yeah. and uh, responsibly, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. And there we go. Goodbye, YouTube. Goodbye, Facebook. Everybody's off. And to the green room. To the green room. <laughs>